This is What The Flux. I'm Brett. And I'm Justin. And it's Thursday, the 11th of August. Justin, Mars Wrigley, that's the company that owns the Starburst brand, has said that Starburst will be discontinued in Australia. Not like this. <laughs> uh, my childhood crumbling before my very eyes, Justin. <laughs> Brett, meme stocks were very 2020, but they're back in vogue this week. 37 meme stocks tracked by Bloomberg are up over 10%. Three retro stories today, Justin. Let's do it. For our first, ComBank is celebrating after announcing a $9.6 billion annual profit. That's right, which is its biggest cash profit in over five years. Jeez Louise, NAB had a bumper profit yesterday. (laughs) ComBank today, it's been a good week to be a bank. So what happened here? All right, we know ComBank is Australia's largest bank. It's got the biggest valuation at around $172 billion. It's got the most customers at around 16 mil. And it's the biggest mortgage lender with one in four Australian home loans issued by CBA. Now, Justin, yesterday, ComBank CEO announced an annual cash profit of $9.6 billion. (laughs) But CBA CEO has said, we ain't done yet. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) ComBank said it's making a serious play for the business banking market. So what is the key learning here? With interest rates expected to continue rising and home Mm -hmm. loans expected to slow, the big four banks are looking towards new areas for growth. And one of those key areas is business banking. We know that NAB is numerical. Uno. So how does a bank like ComBank jostle its way to become a business's lender of choice? Well, Brett, they've got to play the long game. Get this. ASIC found that 60% of consumers who took out a home loan with a lender had an existing relationship with it. Mainly because it's convenient. And the same applies to business banking. So ComBank is doing everything it can now to bring on new business customers today so it can become its business lender in the future. For our second story, Whirlpool, the home appliances behemoth, has agreed to buy the company behind the InSync Orator for $3 billion. <laughs> I must say, Brett, I've always been envious of the kitchens with InSync Orators. This is an interesting <laughs> one. Tell me more. I take you back to 1938, one year yeah. before World War II kicks off. Italy beats Hungary in the FIFA World Cup final and the Insincorator is born. Yeah, that's the waste disposal system that sits in your sink, makes that really loud, that loud noise, and crushes every piece of waste in its way. But now, Brett, Whirlpool, that's the company behind washing machines, dishwashers, fridges. They've acquired Emerson Electric Co., which is the company behind Insincorator for a lazy $3 billion US dollars. Turns out the Insincorator company generates nearly $600 million US dollars wow. in revenue per Yeah, certainly makes it a very valuable acquisition target. Mm, So what is the key learning here? Valuing a company for an acquisition can take many different forms. And Jazzy Boy, each of these approaches may result in a different valuation for the company. That's why when making an acquisition, the acquirer will often use a range of different metrics. For an earlier stage company, for example, you may choose to use a multiple on the company's revenue as your key metric. Because the company may not be generating a profit yet, but has huge upside. And for a later stage company, you may look to the company's price to earnings ratio. And compare that to similar companies in the industry to get a sense of what seems reasonable. Or in this case, Whirlpool used a multiple of Insincorator's EBITDA. That's earnings before interest, depreciation and amortization. And 18.1 times EBITDA was the magic number 
for Whirlpool. For our third and final story, Coinbase, the crypto trading platform, has released some pretty grim earnings, losing over $1 billion US dollars in the second quarter of this year alone. That crypto winter hanging around like a real bad waft, <laughs> Justin. What's happening with Coinbase? So back in 2012, 2013, purchasing Bitcoin was harder than getting a new passport before a holiday. <laughs> you really had to know what you were doing there. So Coinbase became one of the OG crypto trading apps for amateur crypto investors. Now it has more than 98 million users across 100 countries. And Bayman, investors were very bullish on Coinbase. It listed on the NASDAQ around 12 months ago with a valuation of around 86 billion US dollars. That's more than the value of NAB and Coles together. But the <laughs> world moves fast, my friend. Coinbase just released its second quarter earnings and it had $1.1 billion in losses. And one of the biggest concerns for Coinbase, institutional investor transactions were down a whopping 17%. And this is big, B-Man, because in May this year, Coinbase was majorly celebrating crypto adoption among institutional investors. Ooh, so what's the key learning here? When institutional investors enter an asset class, hello, widespread recognition <laughs> and credibility. You see, Jazzy Boy, retail traders were dominant around four years ago. 80% of trading volume on Coinbase's platform was retail investors. But in 2021, this was only 33%. That means institutional investors are making up the majority of trading volume on Coinbase. But Brett, when interest rates rise and the cost of money becomes greater for institutions, they often revert back to safer investments like cash. And now Coinbase has a couple of problems on its hands. Yep. Uh, Justin, I understand there have been a few massive winners in our savings game Win the Week this week. Am I right? You're not wrong, B-Man. Liz from Victoria won 50 bucks this week. We've got Bianca from Queensland, Peter from Victoria. Rika, New South Wales, and also in New South Wales, Aiden won. How about that? There are 40 winners of cash prizes every single week. If you want to play, make sure you download the Flux app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.